there's, you know, these rumors flying around that we're not under any kind of um, governance anymore as believers in Jesus Christ. It's all about grace, and, and it is about grace, but lo and behold, there, are, there, are, uh, there is uh, uh, presented to us by Jesus and, and throughout the rest of the New Testament this idea that we are to still obey the Ten Commandments, not because we're saved by them, but because they provide for us a path that leads to blessing. And that's the way we've been trying to present this. And, and I just want to finish up the message that we started last week regarding the second commandment, which has to do with idols and worshiping God only. So to get it started, let's just read through the Ten Commandments together as I've kind of summarized them uh, in ex from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Uh, the reality is most of us as, a, as American Christians don't even know what the Ten Commandments are anymore. Surveys say that only about, um, that the vast majority of us can only name about five of them, which is a shame. If we don't know them, we certainly can't obey them. and can't enjoy the blessing that comes from obeying them. So if you will, let's read these together. As I've summarized them for us. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, And God spoke all these words. Now let's read them together. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. Wait, parents. Thank you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Parents, by the way, the kids in children's church are getting the same uh, message. They're going through the Ten Commandments as well, okay? So we're all trying to get on the same page together as a family. Is that okay? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its clarity. We thank you for its simplicity. And now, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up the meaning and application of these commands so that we can live by them and enjoy the blessing provided by them. These commands are not burdensome. These commands are a pathway to blessing. In these commands, we are blessed and we are protected. And Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts and help us commit ourselves to living according to your word so that we can experience the life of fulfillment and freedom that we've been promised in Christ Jesus. And it will take an intentional commitment of our hearts to your word for us to experience that. So make it real to us, Lord. Make it real to us, Jesus. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for this wonderful group of people. And I thank you for the change that you're bringing into our lives as we commit ourselves to you. Be glorified here today. Get me out of the way. Say what you need to say to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about the second commandment, so just for a moment I want to summarize. There were a bunch of you not here. That's the way it is in, in, in America today. Uh, it, we, Steve and I were talking. It seems like we almost have a... How do you call it? Was it you, Steve, or John? I was talking to what, John, how, do you, how did you phrase it the other day? It's shift work. Yeah, it's shift work sometimes on Sundays. We, we get a shift in, and then for, you know, another shift in, come, come, I'm, I'm sorry. It, 
for, it's for your sake that we're here. And um, so anyway, let's, let's get on with that. That's another sermon. You can tell I'm tired. I've been hanging out with teenagers all day yesterday at the senior class retreat. Uh, we played out in the sun. They played in the lake. I watched. I'm not dumb. I know my limitations. Uh, but they had a great time, and I was up till about 1 o'clock this morning chasing them down. So um, I'm sleepy. Here we go. But hopefully we won't be chasing down too many rabbit trails here. Last week, we, we started talking about the second commandment. And in its entirety, it says in verses 4 and 5 here, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. Say anything. In the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. And last week, we said that idols can be anything or anyone that a person values more than God. Anything or anyone a person values more than God. Idols can be metal images. Idols can also be mental images. John Calvin said the human heart is an idol factory. We are always producing idols. We're always focusing our worship on something. Our heart has this amazing, we, we're hardwired to worship. And our heart has an amazing capacity to focus our worship on the wrong things. Not on God. Some people park their idol in a garage at night. Some people, de some people deposit their idol in the bank every two weeks. Some people kiss their idol at the end of a date, and some people tuck their idol in every night. Some people worship the idols of pleasure or power, and some people worship their own personal ambition. They worship their self-image. They worship their reputations. Some people in our culture today are worshiping their politics. They're worshiping even their Bible doctrines. Those aren't necessarily bad things. It's just they're the wrong things to worship. Some people worship the idols of their victimhood. Some people worship the idols of revenge and bitterness and resentment. They can't take their eyes off their own uh, bitter hearts. Some idolize control. Some idolize chaos. I mean, the human heart is an idol factory. But God says quite clearly here, don't idolize anything. Don't idolize anything. He says, worship me only. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, he gives us the reason why. He says, for your own good, for your own good, then make certain that you do not sin by making for yourselves an idol in any form at all. Say, any form at all. Say it, any form at all. God says, for your own good, don't make idols. Don't make idols. Why? I gave you four reasons why last week. Idols will disappoint you. Idols are frauds. They'll promise you all kinds of things, but they always leave you wanting more or wanting something else. They're frauds. They'll leave you unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Idols will dominate you. Idols will lead you into bondage and addictions of all different kinds. Idols will deform you. Idols will corrupt your character. They'll pervert your soul. They'll just rip you up. Idols will destroy you in time. Idols will bring destructive consequences into your life. Broken relationships, divorce, disease, mental illness, bankruptcy of the mind, heart, and soul. And frankly, as I was preaching the message last week, I was reminded of a scene from an Indiana Jones movie. Sorry. 
But I'm, I'm going to show you a clip from an Indiana Jones movie, I think, that really illustrates so clearly our need to let go of the idols before they destroy us. You may remember in the third movie, Indiana Jones and the Search for the Holy Grail. Remember that movie? All right, here we go, Sean. We live a little childhood, you know. I uh, know. Well, if you remember, Indiana Jones and his father and a bunch of bad guys are on a quest to find the Holy Grail, right? At the end of the movie, they finally find it. And, uh, and then there's an earthquake, and then the earth splits wide open. The grail falls into a crevice. Remember, this, remember the scene? One of the bad guys, actually a bad lady, she falls into that same crevice, and she's got a choice to make. Indiana Jones is trying to save her life, but she, she, she's tempted to continue to reach for that grail because she's been chasing that thing her entire life. It, she has staked you know, all of her energy and emotion and, 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 and time and treasure into, into getting that idol, and it's just within her reach. She's, she's got to make a choice. Do I continue to, to, to make a grab for that idol, or do I let Indiana Jones save my life? And we know what choice she makes, right? So watch the clip. I think your Heavenly Father's telling some of you to let your idols go because they're going to destroy you. The woman just couldn't let go of her idol, and it ultimately destroyed her. Indiana Jones did let it go. He listened to the voice of his father, and he lived. God says for your own good, don't make any idols. I hope you're hearing what the Father's trying to say to us today. Your heart is an idol factory. You've got a choice to make every day. Are you going to listen to the Father that says, Sean, let it go. Denise, let it go. Brian, let it go. Put your focus on me. Worship me. Get your attention and your affection focused on me. And that's the choice that lies in front of us each and every day. Let me go on and pick up the message where we left off. I want to share with you two reasons why we should worship God alone. We already know why we need to let the idols go. Because they will disappoint us. They will dominate us. They will deform us. They will ultimately destroy us. Here's why you need to keep your focus on Christ Jesus. Worshiping God alone. Let me give you two reasons. First of all, worshiping only God will bring you the true fulfillment that your heart desires. Worshiping only God will give you that satisfaction that you're chasing. When we focus our love and devotion on God, we will experience the true joy and satisfaction that only God can give. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I don't know what your heart desires. My heart, I could care less. Some kid asked me uh, this past week, one of the seniors in my, in my class asked me, he said, Pastor Mark, if you could have any car, no, he said, if you could have anything you ever wanted, what would it be? And I said, I said uh, I'd want everyone, in, I guess, my life to respect me. And he said, well, I was thinking more like cars. What kind of car would you want? You know, because that's where our minds are in this culture. It's about the stuff we can get. Can I tell you something? I don't care how much stuff you get. There's no satisfaction in it because it's just going to leave you wanting more. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller. Someone asked him, how much money is enough? You know what his answer was? 
Just one dollar more. Just one dollar. It's never enough. The things of this world cannot satisfy you. There is no idol in existence that can satisfy you. The only one who can truly satisfy your, the, 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 the longings of your heart, the desires of your heart, is God himself. What do you truly desire for yourself and your family? What is it your heart really longs to, to enjoy? What, do you want peace with God? Do you want peace with yourself? Do you want peace with the loved ones in your life? God will give you that if that's the desire of your heart, but there's nothing. You, can, have you, ever, have you, know, you cannot buy someone else's love. Have you noticed that? You can't buy it. Do you, do you desire a life of meaning and significance? Do you desire a real love for God and others? Do you desire reasonable happiness in this life and supreme happiness with God forever in the next? Only God can give it. What does your heart long for? Worship God only and you'll know what true fulfillment is. If these are the things you truly desire, then the Bible tells us delight yourself in the Lord. Don't delight yourself in work. Don't delight yourself in pleasure. Don't delight yourself in money. Delight yourself in the Lord. Give God your undivided love and loyalty. Give God your absolute devotion and your highest dedication. Not your friends, not your hobbies, not your career. He, it says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's a God-shaped hole inside every one of us and only God can fill it. Worship God and he'll give you the things that your heart truly longs for. He will make your heart and your home a refuge and a sanctuary. Listen, Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. They're secondary, guys. We spend so much of our life chasing the secondary things when we ought to be chasing God. He's primary. If we chase God, we get the rest. If we worship God, he provides the rest. Romans 10, 11 says this. I love this, this little verse. As the scriptures tell us, Paul writes, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. Idols are frauds. They will never deliver what they seem to promise, but God always satisfies. Keep your heart and your home free of idols, metal or mental. Worship only God and you will experience the fulfillment and satisfaction the happiness that only God can give you. So that's the first reason why you should worship only God. The second reason is this. Worshiping only God guarantees the real freedom that you crave. Worshiping only God guarantees the real freedom that your heart longs for. If we put aside our idols and worship only God, we will experience the freedom that we were created for and every human heart longs for. Jesus says in John chapter 8, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Your paycheck will not set you free. That new car will not set you free. As a matter of fact, it places most of us in bondage of some sort, doesn't it? It's called a loan. Listen, only the truth, the truth of God can set us free. In John 8, 36, Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you're what? You're free indeed. You're free indeed. You and I and our families are promised a life of freedom if we worship God, if we place our affections and our attention on Him. 
we gain the freedom that we so desperately need and want. What kind of freedom are we talking about? All right, what kind of freedom are we talking about? First kind of freedom is this. When we worship only God, it frees us from worrying about the approval of other people. As a former people pleaser, I can say with absolute certainty that this is, this is true. I spent a good deal of my life trying to make everybody else in my life happy, only to fail miserably. Anybody else ever been there? Have you figured out by now you can't make everybody else happy? And if you spend your life trying to do that, if you have made that your religion, if you have made that your idol, you are destined for disappointment. When we worship God and God alone, it will not matter what anyone else has to say about us. If we worship God and God alone, we don't have to worry about what their expectations of us are. We no longer have to chase their approval. All we have to do now is live for the approval of one. Boy, that unclutters my life. Can I just tell you that? It simplifies everything for me. Because no longer do I have to live my life according to the expectations that the culture has placed on me about what success is or what, or what my friends say you know, I should do. Suddenly, it clarifies everything for me. All I have to do is listen to one voice and follow one set of directions and live by one set of expectations, and that comes from God himself. It frees me, man. There's something liberating about that for me. And I imagine it would be liberating for some of you that struggle from those same tendencies as I do, to try to live to please everybody else. Worshiping God frees us from worrying about the approval of other people. Second, worshiping only God will free us from fear. Worshiping only God frees us from fear. We're set free from the fear of the past. We don't have to worry about the past anymore because God has forgiven us completely and we no longer have to live with the shame and the guilt of it. Here's a rabbit trail, I guess. I was talking to somebody earlier this week and I cannot for the life of me now remember who that was. And they shared with me their testimony of, of their struggle that they, they lived with a They'd been arrested in the past because of some, you know, dumb behavior. And for years, they had tried to cover that up and pretend it never happened. You know, a lot of people do that, don't we? We all have a past. I love what Laura just said. We all have, we all come from something. And this young man was telling me about his past. He tried to cover it up, tried to pretend it never happened. And when he told me, he told me with such liberty that he had an arrest record. And he followed it up almost immediately by saying this. He said, I used to try to hide that. He said, but I have come to understand that if I'm up front, because God has forgiven me, if I'm up front with it, it doesn't hold any power over me anymore. That's freedom. Freedom from the past. In Christ, as we worship the Lord, he sets us free because that past has been forgiven. It's behind us. We're set free from the fear of the present. Why? Because God loves us. He, has, he lavishes his love on us, and he has promised to meet every need. He gives us power to break the habits we can't break on our own, and he gives us power to stay free as we keep looking to him. There's freedom here in the present. We don't have to... We don't have to worry about, you know, everything caving in on us. We don't have to worry about staying trapped in this set 
of circumstances because God has promised us freedom. And as we keep looking to him, he, 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 he relieves us of the bondage of the fear that so, I don't know, the world around us is falling apart. You guys have noticed that right now. I mean, you know, everywhere I look, it's like, oh my, you know, Washington, D.C., it may as well be in flames everywhere. It's crazy. And I'm seeing fear everywhere. Oh, where's this heading? I'll tell you where it's heading for me. It's heading into the arms of Jesus, man. What, what have I got to fear? The whole world can burn down around me. I'm set. I'm good. My heart isn't fixed on Washington, what's going on there. I, I, I'm not, my eyes aren't looking for salvation to come out of Washington or come out of Montgomery or come out of my, I know where my salvation's coming from. Jesus is on his way. I don't have to be caught up in the fear of the moment, of the circumstance. My heart's fixed on Christ. We're free. We're free from the fear of the present. We're free from the fear of the future. Who's got your world in his hands? Who's got your world in his hands? What's the worst they could do to you? End your life on this earth? Hey, man. It's a promotion. I, I, what's the worst you can do to me? Throw me in prison? So? <laughs> Vacation. I like your attitude. I'm just saying, man. There's no fear for us if we're in Christ Jesus. His perfect love chases out all that fear. As long as we're looking at him, focusing our attention and our affection on him, it doesn't really matter what's going on around us. It doesn't really matter what it looks like the future may hold for this world. We're free of all that. We're not caught up in all the turmoil and the chaos. That it, No, he's lifted us above all of that. Our eyes are focused on Him. Our eyes are focused on Him. Our hearts are focused on Him. There's nothing this world can do to us. So we're free. We're, we're, we're just totally free of fear. If we keep our minds and hearts focused on God, worshiping Him only. The third, the third type of freedom that we're given, and there's so many more. I'm just pointing out three that came to my mind. If we worship God, only it frees us to become the person that God wants us to be. It frees us to become the person that God wants us to be. You know, you become, you and I as human beings, we become like the person or the thing we worship. It's true. You look long enough at something, you're going to become like that something. If we worship money, we become materialistic. If we worship pleasure, we become hedonistic. If we worship pain, we become filled with pain. If we worship control, we become manipulative. We become like whatever it is we love the most. I got to ask you, what do you love the most? What do you love the most? You're going to become just like it. If we love God, we become like
Is that why so often the Bible tells us to fix our minds and hearts on God? You want peace that passes all understanding? The Bible clearly tells us, then get your heart and mind focused on God. He's the author. Jesus is the author and the finisher of this faith. Fix your eyes on him. I love what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, as we worship God, as we focus our attention and our affection on God, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Can I tell you something? This is where the church in America and, I, and this is a, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, and, and I guess I shouldn't, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to point out what I think is a real dysfunction in the body of Christ. We, have, we're, we so often are worshiping everything else but Jesus. We're worshiping our worship services. We're worshiping our doctrine. We're worshiping the, the speaker on the platform. We're worshiping that favorite author. And, and we're becoming like those things. As we worship our worship, we get more and more empty in our worship. You notice that? I mean, you could take a lot of our worship songs and you could put them on the radio and they sound like a love song from a boy to a girl. I mean, it's like there's really no, it doesn't even speak of Jesus and his holiness and God and his righteousness. We're mostly talking about some mushy, gushy, he makes me feel so sweet. And it's like, where's Jesus in this? We're worshiping the sounds of the music and the chords and the rhythms, and we're not worshiping the Savior. And so we find ourselves drifting off into some weird, mushy, gushy, romantic kind of like, who? I don't even know who you're singing about anymore. I'm ranting. I'm on a rabbit trail, John. Sorry. And then we're worshiping our favorite preachers. And, and, and we're just kind of becoming like they are instead of searching the scriptures for ourselves and focusing on what Jesus has said and trying to, trying to glean those things for ourselves. Instead, we just kind of take this guy's word for it. And don't you do that with me. I want you to take everything I say home and I want you to study it for yourself. Don't take me and my word for it. But we, we, we seem to gravitate, like they did in the, in, 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 uh, in, in, in the Corinthian church in the New Testament, toward our favorite speakers, and, and we become just like them. And I don't know about you, I, I want you to follow me, but only as I follow Christ. I want to be transparent. I want you to be able to see through me to the Christ inside me. My opinion means nothing. If Jesus doesn't back up. And I'm afraid sometimes we have lost our, we've lost our real understanding of what it is to worship God. We've got to keep our minds and hearts fixed on God. If we keep our lives free from idols and worship only God, then we're free to become the people that God wants us to be. People just like him. I want to bring this to a close real quick. It's going to be a little bit lengthier close than normal, but let me, let me just say this as I, as I bring this message to an end. Dealing with the idols of our hearts, it's an ongoing process. I find myself constantly 
with the help of the Holy Spirit, evaluating my own life, my own heart. What do I love the most? Mark, what are you loving the most today? Dealing with the idols of the heart, it's an ongoing process, a daily commitment to self-evaluation with the help of the Holy Spirit. I think we have to follow, if we follow Christ, we have to daily renew our commitment to worship God and God alone because we're so easily distracted. It takes a daily commitment to focus on God. Why? Because this human heart, this human heart is never in neutral. The human heart is never in neutral. This heart is constantly searching for something to worship. And if the heart isn't fixed on the worship of God, it will begin to worship something else. Idols aren't just an Old Testament problem. They're a problem for us today. And I believe that's why First John, uh, why John ends his little letter, First John, by saying this. It's almost like a little postscript at the end. He says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. It's a constant warning throughout the Bible from start to finish. Keep yourself from idols. In Joshua 24, a great man of God named Joshua stood before the people of Israel to give them his farewell address. He had just led them on a campaign to conquer the land promised to them by God. And he stood before them as one final time to give them one final speech. And Joshua began that speech by, by recounting the history of God's people. And I want you to think about your history for just a moment. What has God brought you through? What has He delivered you from? What pain of the past has He, has he healed in your life, in your heart? Joshua recounted the history of God's people. Joshua reminded them of all that God had brought them through. What has God brought you through? He reminded them that once they were pitiful slaves in Egypt and once they had suffered under the tyranny of Egyptian slave masters. But he reminded them that God moved in power to set them free. Do you remember the moment God moved in your heart to set you free? Do you remember what it felt like to experience the liberation of his freedom in your life? Where your sins were washed away by his blood. Do you remember that moment? Never forget it. Never forget the wonder of your salvation. He reminded them that God had brought them into a promised land, a, a land that was, uh, that was filled with and overflowing with milk and honey, a land of peace and prosperity. He told them this is a land where you and your families can grow healthy and they can grow strong and they can become all that God wants them to be. God has brought you to this place. It is yours. Now enjoy it. Remember, you need to go back and read it. Joshua 24, one of the most powerful speeches ever given by any man under the sun. Joshua, as he concluded his speech, as he concluded reminding them of all that God had done for them, reminding them of where they had been, but what God had done to deliver them, Joshua then stops and he says to these, these people, and I say the same thing to you today, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. You remember the gods you used to serve? People's approval, that was mine, one of mine, one of my little specialties. Maybe you used to serve the god of 
alcohol, or the God of pleasure, the God of sexual relationships. I don't know what God you used to serve, but you don't serve that God anymore. Christ has set you free by His blood. Amen? Amen. But now you live in a land that's surrounded by false doctrines and religions and idols everywhere, and they're all trying to get your attention and draw you away from the worship of the one true living God. I mean, you've got materialism, hedonism, you've got all kinds of things out here trying to get your eyes off of God. Joshua says you can, you know, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And then he concludes this way. And this is the way I want to conclude, and this is the way I want you to conclude this message. But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. You've got to choose who you're going to serve, but I can tell you who I'm going to serve. Because I know where my satisfaction lies. And I know where my freedom exists. It's not in these things out here. It's in the Lord God who loved me so much that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for me. That's who I'll serve. But that's a choice i got to make every day. I have got to make that choice every day. God is issuing that same challenge to His people today. We've got to choose today who we will serve. We must choose today whom we will worship. Will it be the idols of our past? God delivered us from those, but is there still a part of you that wants to go back? Is there still a part of you that wants to go back? That's an honest question, isn't it? Requires an honest answer. You've got to choose today whom you're going to worship. Will it be the idols of your present? Let me remind you what those idols will do if you keep your eyes focused on them. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to dominate you. They're going to deform you. And they're going to destroy you. And I don't think that's what you want. You don't want that for yourself or your family. You've got to choose to serve the Lord. You've got to choose to focus all of your affection and all of your attention on the Lord. You've got to choose to surrender and submit your life to Him each and every day. That is the reasonable form of worship that He's expecting from you, to lay your bodies down before Him every day as a living sacrifice. The only problem, as I say so often, about being a living sacrifice is that we want to keep crawling off the altar. you got to stay there. you got to stay there. Choose for yourselves whom you will serve. I can't make that choice for you. When you get up tomorrow morning, the choice is yours. Who are you going to serve? As Bob Dylan saying, you're going to serve somebody. Who's that somebody going to be for you? I can only speak for me and my house. We're serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. Let the devil do his thing. Let him just try to distract all he wants. It will mean nothing to us. Because tomorrow morning, we're making a choice again to serve the Lord. Tuesday morning, 
we're going to make that same choice again. Wednesday morning, I'm making that same choice again. I've made up my mind. No turning around. You've got to make that choice too. You've got to make that choice for yourself to live the life that God has called you to, to enjoy the satisfaction and the freedom that he has in store for you.